This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. I read you. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Come on down and jump on this shit. I can't always have that. Sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the Team Aperture Podcast, where we talk all things movies, from studio films to indie, art house, and much, much more. Today on the podcast, we open up our 2021 Horror Month with a little film about the boogeyman. Yes, we are talking Halloween 2018 by director David Gordon Green. This is the 11th installment in the Halloween film franchise. It was considered a direct sequel to the original film back in 1978. Retconning all previous sequels. The film stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy Matichik, and Nick Castle. Lori Strode confronts her longtime foe, Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. The film runs one hour, 46 minutes, is rated R, and was distributed by Universal Pictures. I'm Gabe Vinadol, filmmaker, film instructor, and movie enthusiast. And I'm joined, as always, by Alan Martindale, veteran podcaster and editor. And back from the depths of hell itself, Tame Aperture OG and filmmaker, friend, and foe. What? Brandon Richardson joined us. Brandon, how the hell are you? Alan, how the hell are you? Well, I, I can't believe Brandon's back. Like, he's like the original, original co-host. This is an this is OG returns. Yeah, what, what the hell, man? Where you been? Did you just like bury yourself for the last three years, two years? I was in, I was in quarantine before quarantine was cool. <laughs> you saw you saw ahead. You saw what was coming down the road. And yeah, I, just, I, I mean, got a bunker. I've got construction signs around me just to ward people off. And I mean, with that Jesus haircut, you've always been a bit of a visionary. Correct. For yes. those that are listening, he's got the long brown locks down past the shoulders with a bit of curl at the end almost to my nipples i'll cut it when it gets to my nipples and then that's it you just you might as well let it keep going down to the butt just grow it out yeah just go dude i could see how long you get it then i have to like fill out divorce papers and such because well (laughs) i'd bet her fill them out but she'd leave me might be worth it you never know you don't know (laughs) you don't know what kind of things that special powers that hair is going to have exactly. once it gets to the butt exactly true. it's true alan third annual third annual month. Horror month and Best i want to throw year. a little shout out here october 2019 this is uh where alan essentially joins the podcast after only four episodes brandon and todd quit <laughs> Like, but they they quit, but without actually quitting. Yeah, I mean, they just not, kinda... I did a couple in your studio, Alan. There wasn't there yeah. a couple there. Then yeah. Brandon comes back as a freaking a guest. I like guest star status better. It's like the and at the end of the movie. I'm the and now or a with. You're uh, <laughs> so, but but two years into this thing, Alan, we're going two years strong. You started out with our first annual horror month. And that really kicked things off. And here we are two years later. We're still going. If you can believe that already. 
it's the best time of year. I it like every time you, you say, Hey, we got to start recording horror month. I get super stoked because admittedly it's a, it's a bit premature. We're still in September, right? But this will be released in October. So, um, and for those that do listen, the, the small fan base that we do have <laughs> and the, uh, the large amounts of downloads and streams we get from Spotify, I apologize for not editing our recorded episodes. We have like 10 episodes in the can right They're now. They're coming. They're coming. But the yeah. beauty of the film, it, you know, as, as in, in contrast to something like sports or news is we get the evergreen status. These right. are podcasts that can kind of last forever. They're not topical. Makes it Until easy. Yeah, I mentioned COVID. I just screwed up the evergreenness. I apologize for that. That'll be Randy comes back and ruins it immediately. Correct. I mean, immediately Within ruins the minutes. entire podcast. Within five minutes. I now I got to go and edit the blurp in. <laughs> <laughs> Always been a visionary. I, I, I was co- before <laughs> you don't hear COVID. You just hear beep before beep. <laughs> to be beautiful alan tell us uh start us off here here we are your here favorite are. time of the year favorite time of year halloween. i say alan choose it you're you're getting first run getting first dibs at our at our picks for halloween month or horror month i should say what well, uh, uh you go halloween 2018 give us a little backstory on this well it had to because halloween kills which is the sequel is coming out I, if you're listening this month in October. So I figured as a way to kind of shoehorn it into the new one. Uh, plus also it gives me an excuse to talk about one of my favorite films, the original Halloween. Like this is just like, I just thought it fit perfectly. So we had to do it. Uh, and as far as sequels go, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's, it's hard to make a sequel to a very beloved movie, especially four decades later. Because I think you lose a lot of what make what made it special at the time. And Halloween still holds up. We did that. I think we did Halloween last year for Horror Month. It still holds up. It's fantastic. Um, I don't like how they titled this Halloween, though. That's stupid. Yeah, I don't either. I, I don't like the idea that you put the year. Yeah. As, as the differentiator. Like, it shouldn't be titled Halloween. It should be titled or if it is, it should have a subtitle. Right, right. I mean, this is the second. No, this is the third Halloween two because this is essentially Halloween part two, and this is the yeah. third Halloween part two we've had in this in the in the history of this franchise. It's very confusing. You need a PhD yeah. just to understand it. I mean, thank God you gave me that two eight twenty eighteen because I just went to Halloween. I'm like, oh fuck, which one do I watch? <laughs> Brandon's like, I just I just watched them all. I watched them all. I, I marathoned it last night. I've not slept and I have an IV of coffee into my. Well, Alan right. and I put tons and tons of preparation into our podcast. Um, there's a bit... <laughs> little sarcasm. You dripping with sarcasm there. I mean, admittedly, guys, this week has been insanity, right? So it's like one of those things. So I piecemealed it again. I hate when I do this. I hate when I do this and I've done it on a handful of movies that we've done reviews on and i fucking piecemeal it like a little bitch and you can't piecemeal shit no you gotta sit down and dedicate the damn time to watch the movie so my apologies for that i have my notes and i did watch it of course but i piecemealed it and now i regrettably feel like i'm underprepared well especially a, a horror movie where pacing is so important 
That's that's a tough one because horror movies are different because you really have to get in. You have to put yourself there and you have to really kind of experience what they're trying to get across, especially a good movie. Yeah. So I watched it last night from like 10 p.m. I started at 10 p.m. last night. And so fortunately, I went over it all night in my dreams and thought about different angles and how to like do the jump scares differently. And so I'm, I'm well prepared because that's all I thought about all night. So, so basically what you're saying is you can do a better job than David Gordon Green did on this one. Yes. No. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. David Gordon Green. OK, the only thing prior to this as a director that I had seen or was familiar with really uh, was this movie that I loved. Uh, there's two of them actually that I thought were really good, but they're all, they're, they're, they're quite the opposite of something horror. One's called Joe starring Nicolas Cage. Mm. This is a drama and it's done really well. The other one, which was an offbeat comedy drama with Paul Rudd called Prince Avalanche. And those mm. are the only two that I actually think I've seen of his as a director. So I was a little bit, it it didn't seem like this fit into his wheelhouse when I, uh, you know, when you go into watching a movie and if you're at least a little bit familiar with the director or their previous work, you go, Oh, that seems a little off character. Not that I'm trying to pigeonhole. I think directors can do anything if they're good, right. They can cross genres pretty simple, pretty easily. But knowing those two movies, I was like, those are not really in this wheelhouse of horror (laughs) of slasher. Uh, let's see what this guy does. So, uh, it Brandon thinks he can do better than David Gordon Green as in directing this film. I I'd like to I I I'd like to challenge. Let's go, Brandon. Let's do it. Well, as I understand, they're they're filming a trilogy, the next two, back to back. So maybe I could jump in on the epilogue or something of the very. Last you just comment on the third one. You just yeah, walk on just, set. Get get your ass off set, set Green. I'm yeah. in charge. Yeah, I got my. Jesus I'm friends locks. with Danny McBride, so I can just be like. <laughs> so that's one thing to talk about, though, is there's a lot of players involved. So we're talking yeah. about David Gordon Green, uh, who I've liked <clears throat> his previous films, but they don't fit into the slasher genre. So well, he, he did Pineapple it, Express too. Oh, that's right. He did that comedy with the Rogan and those guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, is that the Danny McBride connection? So I've seen three of his films, I guess. That I could think of. What did you Joe, think of Avalanche and Pineapple I like it, personally. I think it's funny. Um, it's a Seth Rogen film. Yeah. See, to me, shrugged like, shoulders for those listening. Shrugged, I said it's a Seth Rogen film, and then I shrugged my shoulders. Because it is what it is. I mean, Seth Rogen movies can only go so... They can only be so good, you know? And it's... I don't know what it is about him, because I don't think he's bad. I actually think he's inherently funny. But... They're just not very good usually. I mean, eh. And James Frank is only as good as Seth Rogen will let him be, essentially. <laughs> that's that's what it feels that's, like to me. That's uh that's like you, Alan, on the podcast. You're only oh. as good as Gabe lets you be, and so you're not that good, and that's my fault. <laughs> oh, Gabe's well, that's fault, my man. problem. Yeah, that's your problem. Also, you, Brandon, you're only as good as I let you be, and so I'm uh, my talent level and skill levels here, and I'm trying to keep you both down with me. Right. So I I don't want to see anyone surpass me. I want to see everyone below or at my level. I don't want to see anyone above me. So I hold you down. We strive intentionally. 
We strive for mediocrity. Oh yeah, your your trajectory is far surpassing mine. I just grab you like freaking Michael Miles and Michael Myers in the staircase and pull you back down. I'm exactly. Not, yeah. I'm not letting yes. you get above that shit. Like That's why we have 21 subscribers. In, or <laughs> <laughs> if Alan was uh, let go for his full potential, we might have like two or 300. Just let me let me go, man. You got to let me go. It sounds like uh, carry, carry carry us, baby. Carry us. <laughs> so uh, but a, a host of characters here. You got Danny McBride as a writer, producer. Um, of course, David Go Gordon Green is director, writer. Jamie Lee Curtis reprises her role. Uh, <clears throat> and executive produces. And executive produces, along with John Carpenter. So now you have the blessing of the, the Godfather. Yeah. And so that's, a huge, that. that's a huge, yeah, that's a huge endorsement, I think, right? Because I think he kind of fell away after, was it two, Alan? Or just after the first one? Yeah, he didn't want to do two. And they kind of forced him. And so he, he didn't, he didn't direct it, but he wrote it. He, he wrote it and he also probably produced it. Right. Yeah. And then he produced three, but he wanted to go in the direction where we're not going to tell, we're done telling the Michael Myers story. Now we're going to do an anthology and every Halloween we'll do a new, a new film that has something to do with Halloween, but not Michael Myers. Right. And, but the problem is they didn't market it. They didn't tell people when they were going into the movie that Michael Myers is not in this movie. So what so do we think about that though? Because I think conceptually, that's ahead of its time. Love it. I, I love that idea. The concept is, oh, yeah. every Halloween, we're going to make a new movie with new characters. It's going to sit in the franchise. But like you said, it's anthology series. And we're not going to follow the same guy like Nightmare on Elm Street does with Kruger or right. Friday the 13th does with Jason. We're going to make new characters every year. Right. Right. Because it, Halloween three is actually if you don't look at it as a Halloween movie, it's pretty solid. Like it's it's not it's not bad at all. It's uh, wow, you're so nice. That well, is a shit movie. I See, I like it. I don't think it's that bad. It's not great, but it is. Uh, it's not bad. There's actually some Easter eggs. There's a nod to Halloween three in, in, in this one, which is pretty cool with the, well, the you'll have to divulge those to us. But but I didn't love Halloween three, but I love that concept. I think it's ahead of its time, especially in the early eighties where you're like, like you look at now with the proliferation of how people distribute, right? We got streaming everywhere. So you have like American horror story and they're, they're or I'm just using that as an example, but like they're all anthologies now, like they do one season of it and then they do a whole, the same concept, but in a different place and a different monster. Right. You know? So I think conceptually he was ahead of his time in that regard. It's a cool idea. I, yeah, I, I really cool like idea. that idea. Yeah, it's fun. And so I was surprised that he, not surprised, but he endorses this one, Halloween 2018, and his executive producer on it. It looks like he got a writing credit. Uh, yeah. Beyond, I don't, the, beyond it, the characters, just, okay. I don't know. Well, and I know he did the music too. He contributed music for this too. So, but I, I really think the, the EP credit, I think is a legacy credit more than anything. But he did give his blessing to this one, which is, because he didn't like the idea of Halloween 2. He introduced the idea that that Michael and Laurie Strode are brother and sister. And he never liked that idea. He said he just had writer's block. It was late and he had to come up with an idea. And he just kind of just spewed it on the paper and didn't like it. So I think he likes that they, they retconned it and just made Michael Myers just a crazy person. Yeah. Brandon, hmm. got a question for you. Yes, sir. You want to chime in here? Love to. Okay. 
Here we go. Question one. Uh, have you seen Halloween, the original? Yes. Okay. How many of these sequels have you seen? None. Can you think of any? None? Okay. Oh, no, no. So, I lied. I saw the H20 or whatever that one was. H2O. The one with Busta Rhymes? H- is that, that's yeah. with Busta Rhymes, right? No, the Busta Rhymes is the sequel to H2O. Oh, oh. that's right. That's the one no. I have. <laughs> it's awful. The one of Busta Rhymes is, is horrific. It is like Busta Rhymes went, saves the day by using Kung Fu on Michael Myers. That's the climax. <laughs> That's how awful it is. So good. So bad. It's good. Exactly. It's so stupid. So, Brennan, you've seen none of the other ones other than H2O. Yeah. And okay. I barely remember. I, I know I saw it and I remember some scenes like there was pulling up a car and like outside of a an airport or something i don't know I don't, it's like i remember a guy in a yeah, mask I remember a guy and a with knife. A thing. It, would, it definitely was not impactful in my life i don't even know why the hell i watched it but um i have seen the original halloween a couple of times and what do you what is your uh just kind of go as we go into the review what is your opinion of halloween and i know it's a you know everyone like horror, horror the first one okay horror fans love it obviously but as someone who is is just is that's the only one you've seen What's your what's your connection and what's your opinion of it? Just because sequels usually suck, I just kind of never had a desire to see the rest of them. Um, uh, Unless they have Doc Brown, I'm not going to watch their sequel. Correct. You're absolutely correct, sir. Um, but I lo- I just kind of liked how, in a really weird way, this is a weird word to say, but it, it was kind of like, kind of an innocent film in a, in a, in a, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, I just, you kind of, you just don't know what to expect with this, this person with, that has seemingly no motivation other than just to be evil. And right. you just, you kind of, that's hard to run away from. And so it's, it's simple. The, yeah, it's simple. And, and, and I, and I like that simplicity of it. Um, and I do like it better than, than like the Friday the Thirteenth or the Nightmare on Elm Street. I the Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. I thought it was kind of a dumb premise, to be honest. I think. Oh my gosh! Get off the podcast. Gabe, Gabe is you and Gabe are gonna throw throw Get fists. The fuck off the podcast. Why did I invite you back for? All right, I'll go. I'm not even gonna. I, I'm I not like even gonna respond to that because then we're gonna go. Th- 40 extra minutes into Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street and we're going to miss the entire Halloween podcast and we're going to have to redo it. So just continue with your statement before. Is that, that's myself. the one where Johnny Depp turns into a giant uh, volcano of blood, right? Night, the original Nightmare Classic. on Elm Street. Classic. Yeah, he gets sucked into the bed, right? And then it... Yeah. And you just can't like, tell me that is not a kick-ass scene. No, I love the scene. Okay. Then keep going. The Don't bring Nightmare on Elm Street back into your lips ever Copy on this that. podcast. I do like when Johnny Depp gets it though. That was pretty funny. Um, I have to say though, the 2018 Halloween, I'd like the kills so much better in this one. So, they're, they're so good. They're, they're we'll so get into fun. it, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, what <laughs> I, was different about them? That's what I want you to explain to me then. You what, know what, made these, what made these so good versus maybe, are you comparing it to the original? Or yeah, so something? original okay. versus the, the, the 2018. I like the 2018 better, to be honest. Um, wow. I, I really did. I mean, Say I don't what? know what, 
it feels like we got to hang out with Michael more often in, in a weird way. Like we kind of got to be kind of with him and he was, you are definitely like more human. You are definitely the first person to die. If Michael Myers comes into a group. Yeah, of for sure. For because you're like, give... we got to hang out with Michael. And... Yeah. I'm going to give him a hug. You're definitely it's really the first weird. You're like, the kid like... on the gate that kisses the girl and then runs through the gate and then gets destroyed. Yeah, the that's right through yeah, the, through, yeah. Through the yeah. neck. That's you right now. You're uh, you. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was. You want a bear hug, Michael Myers, is what you're saying. Well, that whole scene at the beginning was so interesting. Like with the when he's in the block outside and and all of that. I didn't know quite what to make of it when I was watching it in real time, but then kind of going back, I'm like, okay, I, I kind of understand that but like it just i never really do you see even without his mask on in any other movies i'm assuming no he yeah you i mean it's very brief like okay so in the first one he takes his mask off and you get to see him a little bit but it's very brief and then i think in is it five he he, the mask comes off but you don't even really get to see his face and then obviously rob zombie which the less said about rob zombies versions of this then the better because you do get to see him a lot with his mask off in both of those that's gonna be easy because i haven't seen those ones and he talks he's he talks in the second rob zombie one that's what they're mocking in this one talk to me definitely talk to me here they were actually poking fun at rob zombie yeah i hope so because man rob zombie just shit all over the legacy of halloween yeah 2018 it seemed to because i like that we saw a little bit of his face but never saw the full thing or was out of focus or yeah, I, I kind of it, it teased that small bit of humanity that might be in him still, but I don't right. Know. Well, I like it because it, it brings it back to the idea. It's it's this guy is mentally unstable. Yeah. And I, I like it because it's very difficult to make a sequel to a beloved film and also be able to have its the sequel stand on its own feet like this is yeah. its own thing. But there is enough fan service for people like me who are looking for that kind of stuff without going overboard. Like you look at the, the Force Awakens, that was just basically a, 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 a remake of Star Wars, you know, yeah. and plot for, for plot. right. They went way too far with that. Whereas this one, I think they do a really good job of it's a Halloween movie and they, they know what made the great the first one great. And they build on that, but they also aren't afraid to go off and do their own thing at times. And I, to me, that's what makes it such a special sequel. Um, I hope they can follow it up on the new ones. I just, it's just hard to do it, man. Like it's so, it's so hard to do. Well, they, are, 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 you know, finally put them down at the end of the second or the third one. We'll see, man. I mean, I it depends know. how much money it makes. I mean, do you guys put a spoiler alert on the beginning of these things as far as like, I, mean, I would definitely say go go watch the movie, okay? Because uh, we're definitely going to spoil the shit out of it. All right. Yeah. Because so I let's mean, start. I'm... Let's start here, though. Yeah. Let's start with this. Let me ask you. Uh, we're not going to walk through piece by piece. We'll talk about scenes in the story and how the narrative unfolds. But we're not going to break down every single plot section of it. We've kind of decided over the last little while on how to do this. Before we were actually going through almost every scene mm. and dissecting it. We're gonna not go that direction as much as we are as the overall tone of the film and then specific scenes that actually you know speak to what we're talking about but that first scene you're speaking to when he goes to the psych ward there's this journalist arrives who the hell's this journalist 
I, I like that they made him podcasters. <laughs> right. And I like that they made him snooty British podcasters because it just goes to show like they have, they are in so far over their head. It just and goes they, to show we're spot on because our intro is British. That's well, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, but to me, it's like these guys, they, they want to make these prestigious true crime podcasts that are super popular now, but they just have no idea the shit show that they're getting into. And how, how the did, hell they, did get, they get that mask? That's yeah, I, I mean, wanted to say. That, that's a that's quite the convenient plot point right there. He borrowed it from his friend at the attorney general's office. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> they're doing that. Like, wait, did the, they note? I didn't even hear that. They said, yeah, that? yeah, they said yeah, that. I, I borrowed something from my friend at the attorney general's office. But yeah, I'll tell you what, the 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 moment was probably one of my favorite moments, even not as a huge, huge fan, when he's pulling out the mask out of the trunk, just that, whew, that Dude. was pretty sweet. That was pretty I, sweet. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm on board. I loved, I loved how they did the intro because <clears throat> it, it would have been easy to do just kind of like by the numbers what they did in the, in the original, but sure. they have these new characters, these new situations. I like that they have him outside in this weird courtyard with harsh light yeah and yeah, it's really bright different. like so bright that it's almost uncomfortable it's just it's almost just the opposite of what happened in the original where he was just bathed in darkness and in the wide shots and you didn't know where he was at and you couldn't see where he was in the frame like yeah. i like that they they went the exact opposite and i just i love this intro and how it hard cuts into the song like the theme song. Oh yeah, that was he, like, you know, like yes, yes, let's go. Fuck yeah, let's go, man. I was so pumped. I was so excited. I just got a hot take. I love it. Dude. So the other thing too is was also just I mean that that theme kind of seemed like throughout he was just walking around like he didn't give a fuck if he got caught or not. I mean, that was like that's kind of what I like what I meant was like I con connected with him but like I, I kind of followed him a little bit better cuz he wasn't always just like in the shadows all the time. He's just like willy nilly walking through some lady's house. Hi, you know, and just right, right. Just, there was no, there was no effort to conceal himself like whatsoever. And well, I, and I like that was pretty they, badass. I liked that they did that because in the original, like it, when you're introducing a character like this, you have to have him in the shadows. Like sure. you have to have, and I loved how they did the wide, the wide shots. Like I said, and you're kind of looking everywhere to see where he's at because he's always hidden in the frame somewhere. Um, yeah. but you can't do that in a sequel because we already know who this guy is, but mm -hmm. like you can't, you can't continue to do that. Um, so I, I, I agree. And I like that, uh, <clears throat> that long tracking shot, not tracking shot, but that long steady cam shot where you're following him into these different houses and he's killing people. And like, that was sweet. That was straight out of Halloween too, but this has done much better. <laughs> so let's move into, uh, Laurie Strode. Okay. Played by Jamie Lee Curtis. So in this film, she has a form of post-traumatic stress from the events of the, of the night 40 years earlier. And she's lived with it for 40 years. And she's basically created, she's lived her entire life preparing to kill this dude. She's crazy. She's lit, I think she's batshit crazy. I mean, I get the post-traumatic stress. Don't get me wrong. I, I understand she went through a pretty traumatic event. But all her dedication has been, when he gets out, I'm going to kill him. Right? So she's preparing for the apocalypse. Right? She's if you go to her house, it's like guns everywhere, safe rooms. It's like Montana. Like, 
Yeah. 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 Exactly. But here's the thing, Gabe. She was right. She was right. So that's the thing. Like that's that's my own question. What's the context of this movie? We always talk about how horror has an overall context and a, over, excuse me, subtext. What's the subtext of this one? You tell me. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't really care that I don't know. Usually I like to dissect it, but I don't really care that I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the, I don't know if it's subtext, but, you know, you, you think, you know, as we're all parents here, you know, you think about, you know, what you would do to protect your child and what's too far and what's not far enough. And Judy Grove is kind of a throwaway character. I hope she just gets a little bit more meat in the next one, but um yeah. yeah cause so, so she's, she's Lori's daughter daughter and the entire time, the, 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 uh, the concept behind the story and the characters is that Lori has prepped her daughter for this day as well. She's made yeah. her become a dead eye shooter. She's made her become, you know, whatever it is to, to take out this killer. So uh, when she was 12, she was because the state saw Lori unfit to, tend to her daughter they removed her from the house right because Lori's batshit crazy so yeah her character doesn't really do a whole lot for me like there's not a lot of meat there i agree like i was trying to figure out what that character was i i, I mean I, I i identify i think you see more with the character of the granddaughter yeah why were there sympathy towards the grandmother and then also um the granddaughter's uh, storyline, like I can follow her character a little bit more. But I still didn't understand. What I want to know, Alan, is this, okay? Tell me what is Michael Myers' motivation? That's, they, they, I think they kind of talk about it. His new doctor kind of talks about it or alludes to it. That is the one thing that I was having a hard time with as well, because why does he care to come after Lori again? Like to me, why? And, and I think the doctor kind of alluded to it. And I think the point is she just kind of unfinished business. Yeah. That's like, what I was figuring. Yeah. Like it almost feels like, cause if you're a serial killer, you get some sort of gratification uh, with killing people. And it almost seems like he just didn't get that satisfying feeling that's that was my that's the way i interpreted it also why did Lori stay in haddonfield area if she knew that michael myers was in prison nearby she she prepared why, the trap i mean that was the whole thing her whole like, motivation i know but if you were uh, move i'll never find you he doesn't walk very fast, and well, I don't think he can get on a plane. What, he, he'd have a hard time getting through security checks on the airport. Here's here's one thing, and I think this might help answer the question. Here's one thing I really like. I'm being pragmatic and realistic, and I get that it's a movie, but I like to bring those questions up. <laughs> they they kind of reverse roles in this. Mm. They reversed uh, yeah, Lori and Michael's role, and like to me, because Lori's become kind of a monster herself, yeah, and she's mm. become obsessed, like. Michael's obsession is is killing. And now Lori's obsession is killing. And so I like how they kind of did that. And I think that's her obsession because, you know, she mentioned that she prayed every day that he would escape so she could kill him. And I think I think that's her whole motivation. Yeah, I was going to say it's almost the reverse of what was said 
uh, not even as much. I mean, I think it's still there that he has unfinished business, but I actually think it's the reverse. She has unfinished business. Agreed. She wants that to end uh, even more so than he does in some sense. Yeah. Agreed. So I think you're right. I think there's a reverse of roles there. But I just, it was hard. The, the one thing, uh, a lot of cool kills, right? Um, the what, What's the best kill? What's the one that stood out best for you? Bro? Cop with a flashlight in the head. I'm sorry. That was awesome. Like, like this little weird nightlight that he made himself out of the cop's head. Uh, that was awesome. I didn't see the kill, but I love the reveal of it. I love how he, he sets these, these bodies up. He likes to fuck with people. That was so, the other thing. And this one, there was more. It was, uh, what's like the word aftermath. I'm looking for? It yeah, like it was like, he, he, like you said, he plays with the, the kills. <laughs> that was kind of an inner. A lot of time as, as a horror fan, you're so focused on the kill. You know, it's become a thing. Oh, how was the kill? What was the first kill? What was the kill like? Yeah. Uh, what's interesting that I found cool about this one was the play after the kill. <laughs> right like right the, you don't see that a lot right there's not a lot of play once the kill happens it's over and but this time he's dressing people up he's you know positioning them in certain ways it's like oh damn he's even more twisted than i thought because he's that one where he puts the the, the sheets over and has the ghost eyes oh, yeah. through with the girl the, the teenage girl up in the, up in the room like he's the pumpkin Halloween pumpkins in the fish tank. Like he's playing with his kills. It's fun. It's like, it's so much fun. And I like it. That was the thing. So you talk about best kills, I think is the smashing of the head. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. That was awesome. But my favorite kill is the kid because first of all, it's a nod to to Annie's death in the first one because it's Mm -hmm. exactly the same kill essentially. And second of all, that's how I knew that this movie is going to be pretty tough. Like it, that's how I knew this is a hardcore version. This isn't a water like H2O was watered down so much. And it was that's like what my problem with it. Yeah, I was like, eh, it, it just felt like a like Dawson's Creek with a side plot of a freaking serial killer. Like it was I, I hated H2O. But th- like, that's what I knew that this one was going to be more brutal because they never kill the kid. And if they do kill a kid in a horror movie, you don't see them kill the kid. No, but this was the like that was a violent movie. murder of a child on screen. Yeah. I thought he was going to kill that baby for a second too. I was like, yeah, right. Because that now hesitation, I like, Oh, he's going to fucking turn around and go take care of it. <laughs> now you don't know because all bets are off. They, they murdered yeah. a child on screen very brutally. So now there's a baby. Is he, is he going to kill the baby? Like it made it that much more effective. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great kill. The one I really enjoyed for whatever reason is uh, just before that with the mother of that in that house, I like that he walks in. It's a, and you had alluded to this earlier, Brandon, which is like, he just walks in some house. The lady's on the phone. She goes off screen behind the door. We can't see her. There's a tussle. A chair flies over. She's dead. But just the fact that he, that to me is so dark and sinister. The idea that he can just enter a home, right? And just go in, take care of business for no reason. Like there's no motivation, killer and then keep moving forward and, and, we, looks- and we don't even and what's cool and maybe not be the best death in the movie but it's a cool one and we never even see it right like we don't even see it and that to me in that scene at least makes it creepier well you and here, 
here's here's my why I, I like this movie better than the other ones. I won't mention it because I don't want to get you know three strikes you're out kicked, kicked off the broadcast. But because it is based in reality, it makes it scarier to me personally. Like the supernatural stuff, eh, doesn't really do it for me. Here, I'm not going to go off on it. So I know, but I mean that's why I, I like it because it could actually you're even, happen. You're fucking alluding to it right now. I'm alluding to it, but Don't I didn't, I didn't mention it by name. Dude, you're telling that. I'm a bitch. Man. I'm a telling bitch. a hard anyway. line here. <laughs> but I do Jesus like the Harry. basis in reality, like how this could potentially actually really happen. It is an actual potential. Other than danger. he gets well, what about the fact that he gets shot five times and once in the face and he still keeps moving? What is he? He, he gets shot in the face and keep moving. He did too. He at the end of the no, you can keep moving. You can. You can get shot in the face. And, and shot in here and here and then in the face three times and you just keep moving like you never got hurt. When he got hit by a car in this one too. Like he just keeps moving. But remember, he he So there has to be this is the question. There has to be Something a supernatural, supernatural element. All right. But here's the but, thing. At the end of the first one, he got shot six times by Loomis and yeah. fell off the balcony. Yeah. And then lived. Yep. So where, but those, how but those don't matter this? now because those are retconned. No, no that, that, that's, that's how we won. This is the direct sequel. Oh, so this right. one I'm is sorry. the direct sequel to that one is how they're putting it in the canon. Right, Alan? Yeah. Well, you know, he just, you know, he went to I'm therapy. Just saying there, and, this is a good know. question for Alan that I want him to answer, which is what's the power of the boogeyman? What's the shape do? Is it, is it, is because Brandon's, uh, Brandon's point here, his case, his argument is that, oh, it's not based, it's everything's based in the real world. But then how do we explain this power of Myers, this power of Michael Myers, that he can continue to take people out after being shot 14 times? Eh, don't think about it. Don't think about <laughs> it. That's my answer. He's, well, I'm just, I'm he's saying Tupac, the, gets shot nine times, he's 57, yeah. gets shot nine yeah. times, still lives. Yeah, Tupac. no problem, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, don't think about it. You're thinking about it. Don't think about it. He's what the 50 cent of horror monsters. I get it. What yeah. is the shape thing? Explain the shape thing to me. So that's how he was credited. That's how Nick Castle, who played him in the first one and in this one, that's what they, they didn't call him Michael Myers in the credits. They called mm. him the shape because he was, and that, I love that because in that first one, he's just a shape in the darkness somewhere. Yeah. And you can barely make out his, his figure. And that's, that's, that's one thing, speaking of, of kind of a featureless shadow of a person that's what i liked about the mask in the first one and i i don't want to say i had a problem with this mask like i understand the idea that if a mask is that old it's going to get rotten and it's going to start to fall apart but there you can't have features you just can't like th what made it so scary in the first one is there were it was just a white blank like slate shatner yeah it was a, a william shatner mask painted white that that was it and this one is it, it's just it, it's too much there's too many characteristics on it and mm. i understand like i get why they do it but to me that's what made it so scary in the first one i'm looking up the old mask i gotta yeah i agree so. yeah too many features indentations <clears throat> cheekbones like right there's too much right. definition going on exactly and i again i get why they do it but it's 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 not right and i also think that we understand michael myers a little bit better in this one going into this movie because in the first one if you've never oh, seen it before and you know nothing about Michael Myers, he is like it. There's no, you don't know anything about him. And so this one, we've we've lived with him for 40 years. He's more of a character. He's more of a well-known name. Like, I understand why they kind of they don't hide. They don't 
make him as mysterious as they did in the first, just because we're way more familiar with him. Right. Yeah. What do we think about the granddaughter? What's her role in this whole story? Does she play one? Is it important? Because we ended up spending a lot of time in her POV, right? If you yeah. watch the movie, you're like, oh, we're traversing through this character's storyline. She's got a boyfriend. She's a high schooler. She's important to her grandma, her grandma, you know, like, does it matter? Is she relevant in the, in the story of this, of this movie? I wonder now, if the long cut at some point, they had something more besides just a bridging element between grandmother and her mother. I mean, trying to repair that relationship, but no, I mean, I, I thought she was kind of being laid out as a kill, to be honest. Yeah. It felt a little bit, it was like, we got to throw in a young, cute girl uh, mm -hmm. because Strode is 65 years old now. Dude, teens gotta die. Teens gotta die. That's yeah. what Halloween that's movies true. are about. But teens I'm saying, and, and they do, which is cool. Right. And right? that's why she's in the movie, though, I think, because her friends have to die. Her friends have to die. So that's a good attachment to it. That makes sense. Like, she may not meet the demise, but if you watch it, her friends are getting taken out, and that's how we follow it, which also plays a little homage uh, characteristically back to to Laurie Strode herself, who all her friends die, right, at the mm -hmm. hands of this mass murderer, serial killer monster, and now her granddaughter also, all her friends die at the hands of the same person. Here's so one. maybe that's the lead up into these sequels, is that now we can start to traject her story a little more later on. Here's one mm -hmm. thing that really bugged me about her character though. What, what do you, like, Brandon, what do you, what do you call your grandpa you're, like, if you're going to talk to your grandma, what would you call her? Grandma. Grandma. Gabe, how about you? Absolutely, grandma. I hated grandmother. I already know. Grandmother? What like, what? Like, grandmother? Did you talk to grandmother? I, it was, it took me, it was so annoying. I don't understand. I don't, and it shouldn't have been as annoying as it was to me, but it, it took me out of the movie every single time. No, it was grandmother. Absolutely. If you're addressing a grand, a grandparent, in this case, I'll just say that, but it's like, you're, you're saying grandma. You're saying Mimi, you're saying Pat Pat. What it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a nana, it's a different, it's not grandmother. No, Especially, nobody in 2021 addresses someone grandmother. This isn't the, the royal family, like Lori Strode is living on a freaking in the middle of nowhere shooting dummies, you know. Like she's not insisting that she's referred to as grandmother, right? Like no. she, she's like a, a nana or a grandma, or you know, it's stupid. Yes. And I just want to throw out I think Judy Greer is miscast. Agreed. Hundred percent agreed. Yeah. Like you know, there's they had a perfect person who should have played. So Danielle Harris, who played the little girl who he chased in part four and five, she was also in Rob Zombies as an adult. Mm. And so like she's like uh Halloween franchise royalty. And she's the perfect age. She's got black hair, she's much more fitting. She should have played the mom. There's just there's no question about it. Judy Green. I agree, but more on the lines of the fact that Judy Greer to me is too well known across the board. Like she, you, you recognize her face in a lot of other things. So even if you're yeah. not familiar with her name, you look at her face and go, she's in Jurassic world. Oh, she's in this. Oh, she does this show. Right. She was in this. She's too recognizable. And it feels like Laurie Strode's daughter needs to be someone we're not as familiar with as a viewer. Good point. Very good point. Well, they did that with the granddaughter. Cause I've never seen her in anything. Right. Yeah. Seems like, and you know, I think that was a well good move. 
I was pretty sad to see Will Patton bite the dust, though. Yeah, he was good. I hadn't seen him in anything for a while, so it was it was it was nice to see him. I've always liked him on screen. I've always liked. Him. He's just he's just a great. Camera character. loves him. Camera loves Camera him. Loves him. And his movies are so great. What did you guys think about the uh, uh, granddaughter's friends? I'm glad they died. Every one of them, dude. Like, Every except one except uh, the blonde one, Vicky. I think her name is. I, is that the babysitter? Yeah, the babysitter. I actually yeah. kind of I, I I liked her character more after her interaction with the kid that she was yeah, babysitting. Yeah. This kid was funny. Dude, we got to awesome. talk about that kid. We got to talk about the scene with the kid where he goes to bed. He comes running down and tells him he saw a shape or a figure in the closet or upstairs in the hallway. Comes running down. She goes up to check. Nothing's there. Michael Myers pops out of the closet. The kid goes running down the stairs and tells the other teenager, "Don't go up there. You don't go up there. You're gonna get killed." <laughs> well, I, I love, the, I love just the obviousness of his. Don't go. He runs out of the house like, "Don't go up there. You're gonna get killed." <laughs> He's the kid, smartest one of everybody. He is the best character in the whole movie. Oh, 100 percent. Like, and so this witty. is where this is where it's good to have comedy writers. Uh, writing in a horror movie because the 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 comic break is actually really good like it's done really well and it's really funny yeah, yeah. that scene's hilarious that kid's great now here's that you bring up something interesting which is the comedy writing and this is where does it go too far and because if and, and what i mean is like everything with the teenagers is a joke. Like everything that they say is somewhat funny. Like it, everything's a one-liner, everything's real set up with that punchline to be funny in all the dialogue. Like if you look at a set, like the original Halloween, when the teenagers talk, not everything's funny. There's a, there's a normal conversation. And then here, like the kid's funny, the, old, the, the boyfriend says things that are funny. Everyone's trying to be a comedian. Right. Do we like that setup? What do you I think? It's very contemporary. It I think fits that's the what mold. Kids do nowadays, and that's where the Danny McBride's coming in. I think. I mean, I think that's where he kind of starts to. Because I actually thought about it. I'm not like against it. I just thought, wow, everything's really too comedically timed. Like everything in conversation is too comedically timed amongst these kids. I could have done without the. Uh, his name's Oscar. He's the one that. That guy. I could have done without him. God, so oh, like, he, he he was a throwaway character just for an extra kill, which fine, I get that. You need those. I thought I did think his scene with the granddaughter, and I forget her name, her character's name. Uh, Vicky. No, Vicky. just kidding. No, no, Allison. It's, uh, Allison. Allison. Yeah, I think with his, uh, where he tries to kiss her was kind of funny, like him trying to go in and close the deal, and she's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> You know, and he's like, ah, and that was kind of funny. And then you kind of wanted him to die. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out like that was a good setup and then a good delivery. Right. The setup is now you want him to die. He's a doucher and he does. What about the boyfriend? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what about him? What about Allison's boyfriend? That dude I, was a doucher. Dude, yeah. He was a doucher from the very first scene he was in. Did he yeah. die? Yeah. He did? Yeah, because he, he wasn't he the one that got stuck up on the no. No, that, oh, was, no, that Dave. was the other dude. That was that Dave. was the, uh, that was the oh, other that was the guy that got the tattoo. 
Yeah, that was the other boyfriend. I'm talking Wait, about Allison's that? who dressed up as Bonnie and Bonnie and Clyde. She, he oh, was the no, girl. he didn't die. And he didn't die. He was he getting a hand job that. back at the uh, dance because yeah, she exactly. figured like he's she's gone. I'm, I'm just going to get me an HJ, you know, so. Yeah. He's dying in the next one, I guarantee it. 100%. We'll I mean, that's why they, yeah, that's why they kept him. But here, here's the thing, like for you, you asked if the if it's too funny. I would rather it be funny like that and clever, the dialogue clever. Whereas here's here's I think this is a weakness in the original is that the teenagers like the interaction between the teenagers was obnoxious. They were all very obnoxious and it could have used more comedic timing. It could have used some funny stuff like it was like John Carpenter's thinking, well, this is how teenagers talk. And he had no idea how they talk. And so it was it was really obnoxious. But in this one, they're obnoxious, but at least it's funny. At least I'm I'm not uncomfortably cringing when they speak. It's passable. Yeah. yeah. It's also a generational thing. I think we're hitting on something. Oh, yeah. You're looking at the late 70s versus the, the late 2010s. And, and there's a different right. vibe culturally, generationally, how people respond to each other, how we talk to each other, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think, but it just, it just felt like everything. It sometimes, and, and, and it's, I hate when, I don't hate it, but I, it's, if things are always so perfect, like, there's always one-liners. Like I get it in high school. You wanted to be, the, I did. You want to be the funny guy. You want to throw that one-liner out. You want to get everyone laughing. I get it, but they don't always land. I was like, right. you never shoot hundred percent. You're usually that's all. I'm, yeah. That's, that's, or like 40. Let's be honest. No, I was way higher than that. You were I'm probably 29%. Funny, so we know Gabe was not the funny guy in his school. Hey, he I was nominated. Okay. <laughs> funny class clown. Didn't win it. Nominated in five categories. Okay. Nominated in five categories. Lost everyone. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. You know what I won for of all the goddamn things, which doesn't make any fucking sense? The next James Bond. Like, do they know me? Or did they I, just run out of characters? I'm like, well, I'll just throw this shit in there. If they could Rick and Morty space time you into the future, they'd be like, can, the can it drive yeah. with a Jesus haircut? Yeah. <laughs> with the extra, you know, James 30 Bond. quarantine pounds hanging around. Yeah. Mm. More like James Jimmy Bond. Bond. Jimmy Bond. I like that. I, I could find that. Show Jimbo that. Bond. Jimbo Bond. <laughs> Jimbo Bond. Right oh, yeah. Another throwaway character. Dad. Like, I, I, again, I, I, he was funny. I liked him. But he was funny. He got, and he it, got and it did fit into a typical dad trying to be cool with his daughter. That's me. Yeah. My yeah. daughter couldn't think I'm any less cool. I try to make jokes. I'm like, you don't even know how cool your dad is. And, so, she's, and, and she don't have it. She's 13 now, right? So she's in eighth grade. Like anything I do or say, not funny at no. all. No, not not even so, a little. Yeah, not even a little bit. That attitude that she has back to him. Okay, dad, you need to stop talking. That she says in the kitchen to her dad. Like, oh, I was like, oh, that's my daughter. Yeah, totally. Like me. That's, I totally. get it. I mean, I like that they killed him. Don't get me wrong. I didn't want him to live. <laughs> let's, let's be honest here. Well, but, dude, uh, how did he get peanut butter on his penis? <laughs> because he, he, was wearing, penis. he was wearing pants. It sounds overtly intentional. I mean, he went into gonna... he he got it into the to the zone, like it was within the perimeter of the penis. Okay, so he just had to go clean the peanut butter off his penis area. It was, it was just a ploy yeah. to get his wife to help him do something that he needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, or the family dog. <laughs> family <laughs> dog. <laughs> Hey, Rex, Rex, come on over. <laughs> Clean this up for me. I did like the dad, though. I thought I thought it was funny. 
I, I like it was it was enjoyable. No, he was. I'm more, I'm more glad he died. Are we are we not glad that that anybody died? Is there someone in the movie that we wish wouldn't have been killed by the the yeah, Will man? Patton, whatever his character name was. He was the well, was he the sheriff or the cop? The sheriff, yeah. He did die, but you know what? I I like I liked it because he's he other than the kid Julian, I think was the character's name. The kid, uh, other than Julian, Will Patton, I think was the the second most likable character in the whole movie. Yeah. So I like that they because Michael Myers didn't kill Will Patton. It was the doctor. Right. Yeah. And so that really cemented home that he like is very unlikable because if you're killing Will Patton, you're an asshole. Yeah. I hate you. Don't you ever kill Will Patton. Don't kill Will Patton. Well, he got his karma quite quickly after that. Yeah, that he did. Wince, that wince that he gave right before that shoe came down on his face. It does, awesome. like, he's like, mm, this is going to suck. Amazing. What amazing. did you think about uh, Dr. Sartain, who is essentially, in some essence, Loomis's understudy? Did we like that? character did we care about that doctor at all alan what did you feel about sartain well i mean i thought they were going to do the the force awakens thing where it's like oh great now we have to have a new loomis character like we had to have a new obi-wan character you and know, she get- even says it laura even says you're the new loomis i know and i'm like god damn it like we don't have to fall but then they twisted it up and they made him a bad guy which i really enjoyed because they they're playing with your expectations and they're playing with the expectations of people who are used to remakes and soft reboots and 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 uh, movies being seek- having sequels decades later. Like they're playing on our expectations as, as fans. And yeah, as there, were, there were two things running through my mind in that scene. First off, they hit Michael Myers with the car, right? They get out and the doctor's like, he's dead. And I'm like, of all the things, you hit him at going 15 miles an hour, you killed him with a car. So in my, immediately I was like, this can't be how he really... They kind of tricked me, admittedly, because then what they did with the mask was really cool, where he takes the mask off Michael, Dr. Sartain, and puts it on his own face. And for a minute, I thought, oh, as as off as this might be, this is going to be, I know it sounds crazy. I actually thought this for a split second, the end of Michael Myers, in a sense that he's going to pass on whatever demon he was dealing with to this new character, and that's going to because it's a whole new thing, right? With the 40 years later, it's going to be the mask is it's like Jim Carrey in the mask. You put the mask on, you become the thing. And I thought, Oh, that's, that could actually be kind of cool only because Michael Myers starts to get so old in a sense, right? You get not, I'm not bored of him. I love his character. I just, Oh, this is how they're going to pass the torch. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't do that, which I was like, oh, that's even better. They kind of tricked me down that path and then pulled me back to the reality of what Michael Myers is. So I like that whole concept. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, that was that was fun. I, I like that they did that. I and did using the doctor to do it is what I mean, yeah. like using the doctor. And so his character was kind of cool in that sense. I, I did miss Loomis. I'm glad they didn't recast him because no one can fill Donald Pleasant's shoes. But I I missed Loomis. Loomis what as is, a character is hilarious. Alan, let me ask you this. What? What if they would have? I'd be so pissed. And I, then they I, had I, done CGI so, to create Loomis's face over. They were, to- they were trying to. So the original idea for this movie is they were going to um, uh, show the end of Halloween one, but they were going to reshoot it. And so they were going to try to get Loomis digitally 
you know, do the Star Wars thing to bring that up again and and do that thing, do the, the deep fake or whatever you call those things. They yeah. were going to try and do that. But then thankfully they realized that's a terrible idea and we're not going to do that. Yeah, if they had tried to recreate CGI, Malcolm, or not Malcolm McDowell, um, because uh, he he's going to Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Donald Pleasance, thank you. If they had tried to recreate him as Loomis with CGI, like a Carrie Fisher thing, can you imagine? Well, dude, they... they nobody could do his voice. Nobody can well, do his they voice. They did do his voice in this, though. They they, they they were playing a tape, an old tape of Loomis speaking. Well, but that's his voice, about. though. Like, no one can... It wasn't his voice. Like, no one can... It was not his voice? No, because this is all dialogue that was not in the first one. So this is like... Uh, so I'm doing a... But, but to AI. your to your point, AI, Brandon, we live in 2021 machine learning. You put a voice sample of him in there. Boom. Machine learns it, spits it out. I hate but this. Brandon, to your point, it, it sounded it didn't sound like him. And I was it, it took me out of the movie. I wasn't mm -hmm. mad because I still got to hear Loomis, but it was not. It wasn't. It wasn't still well, not being a Donald Pleasant uh, voice aficionado. It sounded OK to me. I, him for of, I mean, he's in tons of movies. Yeah. My favorite movie of his was uh, The Fantastic Voyage. I've, the only movies I've ever seen him in are the Halloween movies. you never seen him in any other? Uh-uh. I know. Escape and he, from Witch Mountain, like the original Escape from Witch like Mountain? Like, he was in a ton of shit, too. But oh I just... God. Yeah, my Halloween movies. I only know him as, as Dr. Loomis, and that's it. He's in my favorite old-school movie of all time. I believe he is, if I remember correctly, called The Great Escape. Oh, yeah. He's definitely in that. I've seen that. So that's a whole nother genre. It's a great that's escape. It's like, sorry, it's like 1960s. Like that's a family film. Uh, my kids could watch it with me. They can't watch this one. At least not yet. They're not, they're not old enough. Um, no. What Alan, while, real quick while we're on Dr. Loomis, what did you think about the Malcolm McDowell portrayal? Cause I, isn't he Donald Loomis in the previous sequels? Yeah. So Malcolm McDowell plays um, Loomis in Rob Zombie's. And right. he's, I mean, in the first one, he's fine. It's fine. In the second one, it is just, and it, it, <clears throat> again, Rob Zombie, it, the second one especially, but the first one a little bit, it's basically Rob Zombie taking Halloween and wiping his ass with it. It is like the most disrespectful, like unbelievably just awful portrayal of this franchise. And Loomis, especially in the second one, is just, it, it's it, everything that made Donald Pleasant special in that role they just like we're like fuck it who cares who cares we don't care about these characters we don't care about loomis we don't care about the legacy we just are wiping our ass with this did it taint loomis for you because yeah it did did, did it taint did it taint malcolm mcdowell yes it did and it shouldn't because mm -hmm. malcolm mcdowell for the role that was written for him he does an outstanding job but it, it i can't look at malcolm mcdowell now without thinking that is a knockoff loomis I still think uh, a clockwork orange every time I see him. I but, wish I could. I wish I could. It's ruined for me forever. Thanks, Rob Zombie. Asshole. Goddamn Rob Zombie, man. More human than the human. <laughs> should I go back and watch them? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should just keep, should I keep my palate cleansed uh, I, until I, the I'd other ones the come palate out? cleansed is what it sounds right. like and watch the remaining of these sequels. Alan's more of an official spokesperson for the series than I am. Uh, I don't recall yeah. those ones even that well. I think like you, Brandon, I watched them and then they just floated out of my memory. There, there are very few good entries into this franchise, but I love them all. Like I even love the original uh, Rob Zombie's original remake. Uh, 
for what it is. Like I, I enjoy it for what it is. It's, when it's did that come out. That was, I want to say like 08 or 07, something like that. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I even enjoy those, but I love all, all of these, all the entries in this, in this series, even though most of them suck. And, and that's what we're going to get into. We're going to start reading. This is our favorite part of the podcast, Brandon. One of the favorite parts that we've now turned into a bit of a, a funny uh, back and forth between Alan and myself, which is we read Google reviews of these movies. We just read a few of them. We try to find a one star, maybe a five star, something in the middle. And I read them verbatim. And what makes them funny is, is that most people can't write very well. So the way that yeah. they write them out is, is very difficult to comprehend the entirety of the review. But also <clears throat> the best ones are people can't write very well and they're livid about whatever movie we're discussing. <laughs> like it's just a, it's the most perfect combination you could get. Now, do you so, do it doing like a Malcolm McDowell, like in person? Man, if I had a voice acting capability, I would totally do a Donald Pre Pleasant's voice in these reviews. Maybe that I can plug amazing. it into my machine learning and they can do it in a Donald Pleasant's voice. That would be amazing. Okay, so I got to find it. Or do you, do you, I was not aware of this assignment, so let me just do it. Nope, no assignments. I'll read them uh, unless you find one that I have not read and uh, you can read one as well. Usually so he just do. reads them and I just react to them. Oh, okay. I'll just... Uh... There we go. Gabe, I will say Gabe is he doesn't need to have a Donald Pleasant's voice. He reads it like it's beautiful. I read them verbatim. Just verbatim. keep that in mind. Verbatim. So this is exactly how they're written with grammar errors, periods where they shouldn't be commas. I pause when I'm not supposed to based on the writing. OK, <laughs> now, admittedly, I have horrible grammar myself. I'm not good at grammar. If you tell me where to put a comma and it should have like I'm not good at that stuff. So I'm not hating on everybody here. It's just funny. I'll hate on them. I'll hate on them for you. The first thing I do when I write a paper or have to write something is I hand it to my wife after it's written. And I say, do the proofread and grammar this thing up. Got to have an editor, man. <laughs> Good job. Wife. Okay, here we go. You guys ready for this? Let's do it. Uh, a lot, by the way, Alan, a lot of good ones here. So it's always a little harder to find. I'm not surprised. I'm not, it's go. a good sequel. Keeler Heath, one year ago. Hell yes. This is the best Halloween sequel. This is a fantastic movie, and Blumhouse does such a good job making this feel like the original. This is just so good, and I can't watch it enough. <laughs> the mask looks really good. At first, I was worried because sometimes filmmakers don't get the mask right. Hence, Halloween 5. But they really nailed it this time. What do you think about that, Alan? I, I, I agree. Um, I was, when they announced this movie, I was, there were a couple things that made me really nervous about it. One, that Danny McBride was a writer on it and a producer, uh, just because <clears throat> not a horror guy, you know? And two, Blumhouse was also... Uh, producing it which blumhouse films are typically very by the numbers let's make a lot of money horror movies there's like some good Walmart ones. films yes yeah exactly like it's it's just paint by numbers jump scare here jump scare here and let's just get out of there and make a, a million a billion dollars and so i was a little nervous about it i like blumhouse films yeah they're, i think they're getting better 
I think they're getting better for sure. I'll tell you right now, if, if I could have come up with his business model, I'd have done it 20 years ago. I know. I know. It's like, he's like, if we do this, I'll, I'll get, get out. I'll get a talented artist like Jordan pill. I'll make a movie called get out. We'll make it for 5 million. And his whole thing is we'll make these for five or 10 million and we'll make 250 in the box office. Yeah. Like he squeezes down the production budget so far that they can make those movies for five or 10 million. And you're right. It is a, it is a bit of a structural model where you can just make a lot of money, but mostly from what I've seen, and I haven't seen all the Blumhouse related films, produced films. They're pretty good. I like them. He, I mean, he does have, he does, he does love horror. Like it's, it's not just a guy. It's just not just some studio exec who right. just wants to capitalize on it. He does. There's a, there's a passion for the genre. Right. Right. But it's also very paint by numbers a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Two years ago, just some facts is the name of the reviewer. Okay. Seven out of 10. A slasher film living up to the original. Halloween was, was one of the few slasher films I liked. I first liked the idea of discarding all eight movies, not including Season of the Witch. Okay. Well, there you go, Alan. That's... The film wasn't scary overall, but it was just a fright. It was just a frightening seeing some, just keep in mind verbatim. Here we go again. The film wasn't scary overall, but it was just a frightening seeing someone like Michael Myers being this bloody and killer again was nice. Guy stepped on someone's head and turned it to paste. Damn. Classic. It takes us to the world of how Michael can be a true monster with no moral or remorse. He'll kill anything. With no moral or remorse. But dude, that is that's a typical, that's a stereotypical Google review right there. Yeah, that's why that's that is why we do these. We've, we've run into some classics and Alan yeah. has just busted up laughing. I got two more for you. I got Alex one year ago, two stars out of five. Oh, he didn't like it. 40 years on and we have comma what the filmmakers have avowed comma the first direct sequel to the original classic made by John Carpenter, David Gordon Green, who started out as an indie filmmaker with films like George Washington, Undertow and Prince Avalanche has since dipped his creative toe into mainstream waters with fanfare like Pineapple Express, The Sitter, and Your Highness, which vary from middling to downright forgettable. So it comes as a bit of a shocker to see him being such a proponent to making this new, this new Halloween. Uh... I was, uh, for the most part, when the film works, which it does, and it fits in fits and starts, it plays like an appropriate and reasonable successor, but where it fails, and it does, I almost needed some Ben Gay for my neck from, from how hard I was, I was shaking my head. <laughs> I, I, just, I just lost the whole review because that was an absolutely horrible throw in of a joke you're trying to be funny and you just lost it was going okay for a minute about his previous work david gordon green and all of a sudden you're throwing in ben gay jokes get the fuck out of here dude that was painful yeah, i need ben gay rough. now yeah 
for your eyes. Oh, for my eyes, head. my head, my dick. I don't get, know. Get better on your penis. <laughs> it numbs your it. Penis. Numb my head. Put that shit on my brain. That was a horrible review. Get that shit out. You know what you need to do? You need to reverse rot your brain back up into a complete brain like the I'd love that, by the way. We'll yeah. Okay. I, I, you know what? I, I had that written down. I, I do want to mention this real quick. Yeah, go in. So go in. Inflating the pumpkin is I love because it's a cool concept. And also it's kind of a dig at Rob Zombie and all the other sequels. Yeah. Because it's like saying you guys destroyed this beautiful. And now it's a rotting corpse of what it was. We're going to build it back up. I, I, I thought that. that was a little arrogant, a little cocky, but I enjoyed it. I love yeah. that. But like we said, I think even there's little plugs in the dialogue that punch at Rob Zombie. Like you mentioned, he has, he has Michael Myers speak. Yeah. And everyone there in this, there's, everyone's trying to provoke him to talk. Right. Like they're, they're poking at him saying, that was a dumb idea and we're going to poke fun at you. Right, right. And you're right, a little oh, arrogant, maybe a little overconfident, possibly. But, I uh, think so, that's okay. All right. Um, so I'm just scrolling through these. I'm trying to find another bad review because those are usually the funnest ones. That last one just threw me off my game. Yeah, that was like, that was a bummer. That has to be edited out of this entire podcast, man. (laughs) Threw you right off your Ben Gay, man. I mean, it just threw you straight off the Ben Gay on your penis. Okay, here we go. Steven Moss, two years ago, I was very disappointed. As a huge Halloween fan, I I was counting down the days and hours to watch this as was a huge fan of the 1978 original as was a huge fan of the 1978 original. But sadly, this film doesn't come close to John Carpenter's original classic. This new film does try, but just doesn't get there. There are not enough jump scenes, and the new Carpenter score is nowhere near as good as the original score from the 1978 original. You can say original one more time. I'm amazed Carpenter didn't use more of his original score for this movie. Originally. As, originally. <laughs> as it was that original score, which made it as terrifying as it was. Instead, we get lots of predictable scares and pointless kills. Michael Myers is completely out of character by killing people for absolutely no reason. Eh? Isn't that what he does? That's what he does, I think. In the original, that's what well, he does. Original. Well, well hold on, I'm not done. Oh, in the original, <laughs> Michael wanted to kill those teenage girls because they pissed him off. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? And he would kill anyone who got in his way. This is the most contradictory review I've ever read. In this movie, Michael just kills for no reason whatsoever. The doctor character was also shockingly bad. Reminded me of those pointless characters we got in the Halloween sequels in the 90s completely pointless and pathetic character which could have quite easily have ruined the movie i watched this again at some i watched this again at some point as i really want to like this movie but at the moment i'm just full of disappointment and by the way 80 people found this helpful i'm mad like this one this one got me mad that that guy has no idea what he's talking about like, when did they piss him off? Was it when they're in the car and they yell because he's speeding? I mean, that's it. When, when, what is he talking about? Fuck it's that. It's the end credit scene that you never saw. You yeah. never watched at the end. Exactly. Hear the breathing. Ah, that makes this me is the most so contradictory mad. review we've ever had. 
he says something and then he doesn't even, and then he contradicts it. He says, Michael Myers killed him because they upset him. And then two seconds later, he's like, he just killed anyone for whatever reason. And it was awesome. <laughs> what? You just contradicted yourself. Originally, okay. when I heard that original review, I was originally pissed off. And then and the original score was not used as the original score in this movie. So then I was originally upset. And here's one thing I will say. Uh, they didn't use that, that, uh, the theme song all that often in this, which I think is not bad because Rob like, Zombie, yeah. not to keep like, talking about Rob Zombie, but in his, he overused it. Like it was yeah. like, hey, welcome see to the same after podcast where we talk all things Rob Zombie. I do like House of a Thousand Corpses, though. That's a good movie. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm glad they didn't overuse it because it's again, like this movie, they have, they have enough in there, enough, uh, like fan stuff in there to satisfy people like me but they didn't go overboard right yeah. so i i enjoyed it i was in, I, I really liked when they didn't use the music because it was it, it had more of an impact i agree i completely agree with that yeah the origin of that no that's not the same the origin originally originally so originally i had thought what was she no, um alan uh let's go with brandon first brandon so here we are kind of coming towards the end of this thing Give me an overall summary of your thoughts about Halloween 2018 and give me a rating, one out of 10. Sum it up for us. It's kind of fun coming into this sort of thing fairly fresh and being able to, I mean, I'll watch a horror film here and there, but it's not, I don't hate them, nor do I like, it's just kind of like they're when they're in front of me, I enjoy them, but it's, I don't possibly because no one else in my family likes them. And so I have to watch them by myself, which makes me feel like a loser, but, um, we could have started I've, a watch party on Netflix. I'd have watched it with you. We'll do that for next time. Okay. Um, I thought it was actually quite, I, I thought it was actually quite good Lord. I can't speak. Hey, this is well a podcast well. that we actually have to express yeah. our ideas through our words. I know. I don't get it. Why am I on this goddamn thing? Um, uh, I thought it was actually shot quite beautifully as well. I felt uh, one of my biggest problems with horror movies is that they're always so dark. You can't see what the hell's happening. And I enjoyed that they, it made it scarier in my opinion, because there was no, I mean, it had its dark moments too, but you could see what was happening. And I liked that about this. Um, so out of 10, as far as that goes, I would give this a, of horror movies I've seen. And, and we haven't really talked about performances. I thought everyone did a pretty good job in their performances. Um, as far as, you know, Jamie, Jamie Lee jumping back into it, I would say seven out of 10. Seven out of 10, what? You have to throw on. Oh, that's right. I forgot describer. about that. Uh, seven out of 10. lit caught corpse heads is that nice did i say that right i'm gonna write down lit severed heads lit severed heads that's much better that's good I the like Smith and the sexy voice he so gets, you're coming in with package folks a, a basic <laughs> seven out of ten uh you're just kind of in that middle ground enjoyed it would you re-watch this film you have a need I, to re to rewatch it you have to need to see it again uh, probably not, to be honest. 
It is not a rewatchable. Alan, that's going to segue into you. Give us your review, your summary, and your rating. I, yeah, I, I, it's like I said, man, it's, it's hard to make a, a sequel to something that's so beloved. And that's why I think almost all of them have fallen flat. And you just, you can't do it. And it's an ambitious thing. It's, it's interesting that comedians now are really diving into horror. Although I wouldn't say what Jordan Peele does is necessarily horror, but uh, he's still kind of diving into that dark area. And like Chris Rock just did the new uh, Saw. And I, I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's good, but it's just, it's interesting that they're doing hmm. this. And between Jordan Peele and, uh, and these guys, they, they're very successful. And I don't know if it's because comedy is so much harder to do that it, you can do anything once you've done comedy. It's kind of how I, how it feels to me, but I think I, I like this movie. I like the comic relief. I like, I like the kills. I like that it stands up on its own two feet, but is very loyal to the original. It's to me, it's, it's a fun movie. Um, so I'm, I'm in man. Like I rewatchability. Here's the one thing though. This isn't a movie I'm going to rewatch all the time, probably once a year, just cause it's Halloween. Uh, but other than that, I don't really have a desire to watch it more than that, but which is interesting because usually the only movies I don't want to rewatch a lot are movies I don't like, but I really do love this one, but I feel like this story has been told. Um, and I can't wait for the new one, Halloween kills. And I'm giving this one, this one's for you, Gabe. I'm giving it 8.0 bags of candy corn. <laughs> I think we used candy corn, uh, did we? Some, yeah, sometime we last did. horror month. I think we uh, did, but Brandon, no, do you like candy corn? You like candy corn, Brandon? Once a year. Get sure. the fuck off the podcast. Yeah, it's yeah, awful. I, candy corn is, is not fit for human consumption. I, I mean, if I had a choice. Well, that's just kind of thinking about like those kill scenes. Like he, it was so casual. Like he like picked up some Werther's on the way and just like, you know, killed this lady. Yeah, right. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. So crazy. Just like, mm -hmm. oh, so I, I was coming in with an 8.0. Now, what was yours, Brandon? 7.4, correct? I don't know what I said. I think I said seven, said seven out of 10. So I put 7.0. So you're seven. Right, so you 7. got a full 7.0. Yeah, you got you to gotta really articulate to the 10th degree. Okay. I did. None of the seven. Okay. You didn't say 0.0 first. You said seven. <laughs> but, but yeah. <laughs> Give me the decimal. He's just stepping on landmines left and right. Good man. Lord. So Rotten Tomatoes has this at 79% from the critics and 70% from the audience. All right. That's fair. That's right in that ballpark. That's right in that okay. seven, seven to eight rating where you're at, where both you guys kind of sit. Um, and then if you look at uh, 6.5 on IMDb, that's a little lower than. That's what? fucking bullshit. That's what that is. That is bullshit. What if I came in lower than a 6.5? How would you respond? I'd end the show. You're I'd, like, I'd overturn this table and I'd storm off. I'm never I mean, co-hosting this podcast with you again, Alan Walker. Exactly. Off. I mean, just how like Brandon will never be back because he he talks shit on Nightmare on Elm Street, <laughs> talking shit about a Halloween sequel. That's grounds for for terminating my my relationship with this podcast. Look, this is a good movie. It's not great. It's not uh, great. No. It's good. I mean, it reprises. It gives a little fresh start to it. Um, it, it, for me personally, nowhere comes close to the original. There's just something vintage 
and authentic and, and original about the original, like our reviewer, original, Mr. Original. So I'm going to come in still with a decent rating. I like the movie. I watched it. I liked it. It uh, like I read from the consensus there. So I'm going to come in with seven black boots and 0.4 blue jumpsuits. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one to write down in the, in the old book here. Oh, it like, you didn't like that rhyme like a rhyme, Alan. Seven black boots and poor, poor blue jumpsuits. <laughs> it sounds like a rap style. Look at that. So 7.4. Cool. I thought they're going to say seven Buster Rhymes and, you know. <laughs> seven H2Os. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's fair. Like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's bad at all. I, I understand. Like I, to me, I have a, an affinity for this franchise and these characters. So I am always going to give the ratings probably higher than they deserve, but I, I can understand why people are going 7.0 or 7.4. Like I, I get it. Yeah, no, it, it, and that's fair. That's, it's kind of right between you and Brandon. That's about the middle ground. Yep. Just me being a fence sitter. <laughs> have an opinion, man. Have a hot take. Let's go. The hell. An original opinion. That's yours. an original opinion. <clears throat> so Brandon, really I'm gonna meet that guy. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Oh, thank you are, for having are, me back. Are we gonna see you son. again in the future? Or are you gonna step well, away yeah. for, for 12 months and then come back? You're gonna have to you're gonna bail for two years again. No, I think I'm gonna bail for three. Some in three years, when Al and I are just rocking and rolling, because this podcast is just fucking fire. Then I'll jump back in. And then I'll it, tell you to... Tell you what, let's, I, I will do... Let's let's start with the... Um, make me watch all the horror movies. I'll do all the horror, uh, horror months. We'll start with that. I want to come in with your brutal, honest opinion on the next one. And I'm going to send it out. We're going to talk about what that movie is. Okay. I'm not going to preview it. I'm not going to... I'm not going to give any clues into what it is, but once you, well, I want to know exactly what your real thoughts are. If you, re, you said, I don't really like horror films. I mean, I don't not like it. It's just whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what we want to hear. Cause you, you got the tier, you got Alan at the high tier. I'm below Alan, but I love horror movies and I'm a little below Alan in terms of the aficionado. And then you have Brandon. He's like, eh. he did watch martyrs with us though. Oh my God. <laughs> You did watch Martyrs. I did watch Martyrs. So you've you've thanks for that. Dove into the deep end on that on that one. <laughs> He's like, that's a rewatchable. I watch it every month. Uh, I'll I'll watch. Yeah, I, I'll watch anything. Okay, like, so you can just stick around with us for Horror Month 2021. Yeah, let's do let's do Horror Month, and then we'll uh, then I'll uh, weigh my about. options and see if my uh, contract's yeah, we'll worth signing. We'll see if it's you know worth signing a contract or whatever. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. That sounds like a that sounds like a plan. We'll be happy to have you on for the month. Okay. Nice. So this is Tame Aperture, uh, reviewing Halloween 2018, directed by David Gordon Green and starring uh, what's your name again? Who knows? Some granddaughter. Granddaughter. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Jamie Lee uh, Curtis. I'm just kidding. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Andy Matichuk, and The Shape, played by Alan Pop Quiz. Nick Castle. Nice. He got it. Oh, that was Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. <laughs> that would be fantastic if at the end of the film it just pulled off and it's Tyler Perry going, what's up, guys? In in uh, full Madea like outfit. <laughs>
Uh, that's our next review, Medea, just for oh, you, Brendan. No, I'm not doing Horror Month then. If that's, <laughs> if we're gonna, didn't he do like a Medea Halloween one at some Medea point? Halloween spooky Medea Halloween. I mean, yeah. talk about talk about a, a franchise that is just cashing in. Like he just like doesn't spend smart. a dime, gets a dollar. Yeah, smart. he found it. He did. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. This is the Tame Aperture podcast. Go check us out at tameaperture.com for previous episodes and to join the community. We're streaming on all platforms, including YouTube. Go give us a watch there. You can see Brandon's ugly mug right on screen. This is Tame Aperture signing out. The Tame Aperture podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube.